All right. Uh, so we're all ready to go then? Yes. Yes. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And today we're looking at uh, the fifth episode of Beast Wars, Chain of Command. First aired September 24th, 1996, written by Jesse Winfield and directed by Andrew Doucette. We open in Stonehenge, where the demons dwell, where the Banshees live and they do live well. This is not actually Stonehenge itself, because in the first episode when they came across those, I think they said that there was more than one. This is this is either not the same one from the first episode, or has been modified by whatever aliens show up between the first episode and now. Yeah, it, it's the same basic shape, except there's there's a pile of rocks in the middle. Instead right. of just like one giant rectangular pillar. And so also, it, of course... The actual Stonehenge is not in vaguely Africa, where the Maxwell base is. <laughs> yes, they they seem to be implying that Stonehenge is merely the the one remaining or one of the few remaining uh, vestiges of these old. Well, because it's it's not Earth. No, no, of course not. <laughs> Earth, <laughs> Earth is two moons. As Retro so, knows, this planet this planet is uninhabited. Yeah. And we all know that Earth has people on it. Yeah, we all know that. So it's it's only really Earth in that we know it's Earth because we've been watching the show. So anyway, the Maximals are at Stonehenge. They're scoping it out. There's some sort of Energon reading. Uh, Rat trap. Not too that... much Energon this time. No. Well, I mean, they do have Hell the same EKE meter. <laughs> yes. And also of noting this scene, everybody has shadows. Oh, oh yeah! What? Crazy. And I think only this scene of the episode, but it's it, I mean, you know it makes it look a lot nicer. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the situation was. Did they just forget in this episode, or maybe it was a test? I mean, they didn't have any ep- They didn't have any shadows in previous episodes, did they? No. And I mean, the, we'll see the a couple times question. later on when it's dramatic. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it is sort of at, at uh, as yeah. the sun's coming through the stones. It's also kind yeah. of remarkable that, unlike previous episodes, most of the time it is only one, maybe two robots in frame at a time. So they it, don't it do a lot of a matter of It may be a matter of them sort of testing out their exciting new shadow technology. Yeah. Yes. That seems like a distinct possibility. Yeah. We can do shadows if only two people are in frame. It's exciting yeah. and new. So, Rat thinks it's a trap, uh, and we get sort. Of, I think this is our first indication that there that the Energon shouldn't be here. Yeah, I think it's brought up before, but it's it's definitely made plain here that there really shouldn't be Energon in this yep. planet. Mm-hmm. At least not. Much as there should not be a stone. Really alternates Rat Trap's currents. <laughs> yes, there, there's a lot <laughs> of robot <laughs> jargon in this. And this is really notable because apart from that brief 
sighting of the standing stones in the first episode, this is really our first hint of the meta plot for the series, or at least for the season. This season and the next season, at the very least, uh, a little bit in season three, too. But but the big meta plot with the aliens and the mystery of the planets. Yes, Yes, the mystery of the planet. That really has not come up until now, except for that moment when they saw the Standing Stones, that that little one-off in the pilot. I think that's kind of interesting, because normally when you have a meta plot, you introduce it in in the pilot. And, you know, for for more than ten seconds of going, huh, that's weird. (laughs) But I mean, I I guess if you think maybe you're just going to be an hour-long special, you don't want to introduce too many danglers. Yeah. That is entirely possible. So you could be spending that precious time doing more important things like selling toys. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, or, or it could be, this episode could be like, well, we don't want to have them just fighting each other all the time, but let's plant a seed we can use later for other stuff going on. Yeah. If we want to. Right. So anyway, unsurprisingly, the Predacons show up. They are not pleased because they want this Energon as well. There's a fight. It's uh, It's pretty neat. And then Pterosaur ruins everything. The fight's <laughs> As he it's, does. it's a neat fight, but it's a really one-sided fight. Yeah. Yeah, I can see Rat that. Rattrap takes it a guy is. out with one shot. Cheetor takes a guy out with one shot. Despite having rapid-fire weapons, I don't think Decepticons land a single shot. Nope. <laughs> Except for Pterosaur blowing everything up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, Cheetor even gives Rattrap or... a thumbs up with a goofy sound effect. Yeah. Uh, Yes. <laughs> it's pterosaur, so probably he, he doesn't think things through. Well, none of the flyers do, really, but... Yeah, no, most of the... Really only about two of the Predacons do. And the, the the Stonehenge makes me think, exactly how big of a T-Rex is Megatron? Well, he's the, a T-Rex the size of a gorilla, so yeah, not yeah. a big one. Oh. Yeah. He's, he's a nanotyranno. Yeah. Uh, or he's maybe a juvenile? Maybe. Maybe. Or a female. <gasps> Wouldn't the females go... actually be bigger? I guess that's a good point. Well, most reptiles, I think, are bigger. A male. Chickens are, too. I mean, whatever he well, is, he's he's a rather teensy tyrannosaurus, just yes. as his, most of his subordinates are gigantic gross butts. <laughs> he's far <laughs> scale. Yes. Uh so anyway, Pterosaur shoots this thing, and it ends up sending a signal out into space instead of Not exploding, as it probably should. Yeah, It explodes first, and then it sends a signal. Yeah, there's another bay explosion that, that chucks Rhinox away in slow motion. Yep. Oh, yeah, that was delightful. That's a really great well, shot. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that the explosion didn't actually light Rhinox. No. Because you have this huge, changing, yellow-red swirl explosion going on behind him, and he's just lit entirely the same way the entire way through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well. And then in the very next shot, the explosion's happening off-camera and it's shifting on him. So mm. I'm not sure why they did that. Yeah, lighting limitations. And then, and then you wonder, you know, given all of the alien shenanigans that will occur over the course of this series, this is kind of all due to Pterosaur shooting that thing. He's he's the octo punch of Beast Wars. That's a good point. He punched God in the face. Yes. He he punched God's auto dialer. Yeah, I suppose. 
I mean, these aliens, as it turns out, are, they're not quite gods, but they're kind of like space gods. Well, yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. They're aliens, and this is an interesting departure for Transformers, as, I mean, there had been plenty of aliens in Transformers series before. I'm not counting the Transformers themselves, who are aliens. But they're yeah. usually sort of very straightforwardy kind of Star Wars aliens. Or, or yeah, and especially season two and season three of of G one. Well, the the season two episodes that really wanted to be season three episodes, where everything right. is crazy space stuff. Right. You know, we go, we we go to the moon and Neptune. There are a bunch of pink people there. They worship Transformers. That's just kind of their deal. There's yeah. no mystery there. Yeah, I mean, there are lots of... Yeah, they're forehead of, aliens, not mysteries. The, the, the closest you get to anything really out there is uh, G1 episode Child's Play, the season two of episode, where there are giant aliens who are, you know, rubber suit aliens, except they're huge. Yes. Which is probably, I mean, I don't know about the specifics of the biology of their, their planet and their gravity and all that, but it's probably not actually possible for some biological reason. So anyway, we get a giant signal <laughs> shooting up off into space. Optimus mm-hmm. wonders if we'll ever learn the answer someday. Fade to black. Yes. Good yeah, episode. It almost seems like yeah. it's the end of the episode. Yeah. Even though I, we're, you know, I, eight minutes in. I also, because I've been being a huge weird bird nerd lately, I noticed that during the whole thing at the beginning when they're at the Standing Stones, there's just all this background bird noise. <laughs> It's just like all this raven and crow and some falcon sounds, and it's just like... Oh, weird. Somebody at Mainframe definitely bought a 101 background bird noise CD. Yeah, I I think that was pretty clear. I'm kind of surprised we didn't hear a kookaburra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although it does feel like that after it fades to black and then it comes back, there should be like a one month later sign or something. Yeah, it felt like it it needed some sort of thing saying how long had actually passed. Although, as we as we see, the the thing comes through what looks like trans warp, so it could have been almost instantaneous. It could have been, but it it still feels like it could have been the next day, as far as as far as we know. So So anyway, a giant yellow corn kernel. (laughs) It does look like a corn kernel. Yeah, some kind of seed. (laughs) Mm, seed. Anyway, it, it falls to Earth, and I really like uh, the scene where we see uh, the Maximals. Well, I guess Primal. He's just kind of outside reading. You know, it's a nice, quiet night, and he just sees this thing falling. Yeah. I just kind of like that moment. Yeah. That was a good moment. Just kind of, you know, stargazing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it goes to Stonehenge. Uh, Optimus and Dinobot go to check it out, and but Megatron and Waspinator also go check it out. <gasps> Megatron and Waspinator are expected to be a stasis pod. Yes, which I think that's the first time they talk about a stasis pod falling to Earth. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I think so. Use a fake out on that as yeah. the first time they bring up that plot device. Yes. <laughs> no, no, hold your horses. It's not time to sell some new toys yet. We'll get there. We'll we get don't there. have that kind of modeling budget yet. That's right. Oh, not yet. So, yeah, there's a fight, uh, but the probe sends out an energy burst that makes everybody sort of shoot energy from their eyes and mouths, which looks super creepy. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's pretty messed up. We get a really good Gary Chalk scream. We do. And Optimus Primal just gets disintegrated. Yep, it's 
a very Ark of the Covenant moment from Raiders. Yes. Yeah. All right. So go to commercial. We're back. Dinobot is in a CR chamber, which is, I think, the first time that they're mentioned as being something that fixes people. Yes, and except Wait, Dinobot assumes that it's a torture chamber. <laughs> it's not even said that it fixes no. people. It's just that he assumes it's a torture chamber. The, they don't even yes. say it's a CR chamber. They they say it's to to heal him, but they don't say CR chamber. Okay. But it is a CR chamber. Yes, it mm-hmm. is what we will come to know as a CR chamber. But in the meantime, what Dinobot C- assumes to be... What does the CR even stand for? They never right, said, I think... Regeneration or something yeah. like that? Oh, Cybertronic Regeneration? I don't uh, think see. we ever got anything except maybe Word of God at some point. Uh, apparently in some sort of Japanese guidebook, uh, it's the Creation Restoration Chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird, but kind of makes kind sense. Yeah, it works. I'll buy it. works well yeah. enough. Anyway, so anyway, Dinobot survived this encounter, and for some reason the probe dumped him back at the base, which is weird. Yeah, that, that part's dumped like... Dumped him back at the base, scrapped down and alone. Just yeah. Happens. And as we later find out, it took Megatron and Wasmater back to their base. Yeah, it's... Conveniently. Helpfully. How does it know what base is they're from? Huh? And why would it bother doing that? Magic. Yeah, it, at first it kind of seems like, oh, maybe Prime did that, but... Apparently not. What part of Dinobot is the scrap? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm just imagining him in that kind of awful, drunk, passed out humiliation pose where you're like butt sticking up in the air, but rest the body down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, and... And it's more right, stopping so. Neil arguing with himself. And, and yes. Rat, Rat Trap uh, says, like, Dinobot is an orphaned baby they found on their front doorstep like it's a B-movie. It actually says... Yes. B- yeah, it says B-movie, because they have B-movies yeah. on Cybertron. And, and yeah, then Dinobot that's... is all, Mega Optimus has fallen, I start... Dinobot, I'm your new leader! <laughs> he's just he's straight-up star-screaming in this episode. Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you say Scott McNeil arguing with himself. This is kind of oddly broken up. One character talks, and then another character talks, and it's never like there's like two or three seconds between anyone talking. They get a little better yeah. at it later. Yeah, but but it is pretty great that Dinobot just immediately declares himself the leader, and then ex- he hasn't <laughs> and tried then that since the second to, episode. Yeah, yeah. And then offers to accept duels from people. <laughs> Yeah, but no, it turns out they're maximals, so they have to vote. Yes, yep. Rhinox declares that it is a democracy. Yeah, Rhinox. Yeah, unfortunately, they're a democracy with four people. Yeah, yeah. so that kind of yeah. work. And Rhin- so Rhinox Rat Trap also title. decides to run for leadership, which is weird. Yeah, that that seems <laughs> well. It, it he does, I was wondering less- why it was limited to Dinobot and Rat Trap as the candidates, because honestly, the way it would play out if I was writing it would be one vote Dinobot, one vote Rat Trap. Two votes Rhinox. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or... Like, why not Rhinox? Rhinox is the other Oh, no, right, because Rhinox isn't voting for himself. No. Yeah, I guess that would be it, because otherwise I would say... No. Be... There, no, there... there's got to be one vote for Cheetor. It should have been. Yeah, it should have been like one From vote Cheetor. for each person. <laughs> although, I mean, although I, I guess Rhinox Cheetor did, you know, uh, you know, 
if called, I will not uh, run, and if if elected, I will not serve, kind of thing. Yeah, I I am sort of curious though who actually like. It's kind voted. of who voted for who. We'll I'm pretty sure that D- Cheetor voted for Dinobot. Yeah, because because Rhinox likes Rat Trap, so he'd vote for Rat Trap. Right. Yeah. So Cheetor has to be the idiot. Okay, Cheetor does one dumb thing. This, so I could this also see the argument that Rhinox might like Rat Trap, but wouldn't necessarily think he was suited to leadership. I think whereas... he'd think that he was more suited than Dinobot. Yeah. Yeah. Rat Trap and... immediately after jumping a little bit ahead in the episode here, after being declared leader, Rat Trap does kind of show little aptitude for it. So Yeah. And, and also we see later that Primal would have put him in charge anyway, which is crazy. Yeah, which is, I mean, I would think, why why not Rhinox? If it's and Primal. there's just got to be something with Rhinox. He just will not accept leadership. Or maybe or Primal and Rhinox already had this discussion. Yeah, it's like... Maybe it's a chain of command thing. Yes. Yeah, Title like, of the episode, where like, that's yeah. true. Rat Trap is the second highest ranking officer on the ship before Dinobot came yeah, in. Yeah, there, there's something with their hierarchy. Like he... Rat Trap has tenure because they were scientists. It's like Rat Trap actually has tenure, but like Rhinox is more skilled, but he's only a grad student. Something. And Cheetor is clearly the intern. I'm, I'm going to choose oh. to believe that at some point Primal and Rhinox had a discussion where Primal was like, if anything happens to me, you will be the leader. And Rhinox was just like, oh, hells no. Nope. Nope, 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 and out of here. I do my job, but I don't want to be in charge of these guys. Nope. That's but a bad idea. We we are jumping ahead a little bit because yes. anyway, as noted, we have a tie, so it's back to fighting each other. We do have a scene between them saying they're going to vote and finding out the results too. Yes, yeah. once Rhinox declares a democracy, we go back to the Predacons, where we find that their equivalent of the CR chambers are apparently some sort of weird giant vats. Yeah. Jacuzzis! <laughs> Jacuzzis! Yes. But they also seem, like, painful, like they're screaming as they're coming out. Maybe. Which is weird. And, and, and they're just very angry. Scorponok talks like an idiot. Scorponok has forgotten how to back. use the word is. And and I I like that Megatron once they you know well basically Megatron assumes that with Primal gone the Maximals are just going to fall into chaos because I guess that's the sort of thing he's used to he just well, assumes kind of right oh well, well it's not that much chaos I mean Rhinox did declare a democracy. He's right, but he isn't right. He, he says that line for a comedic cutaway where they're not arguing, and then they do end up arguing. Yeah, true. Yeah. Rat Trap's pounding his fist on the table, Dinobot's throwing the table over, and oh. blasting people with eye lasers. Table-flipping democracy. Yeah, that's the best. That's Prowl's favorite kind of democracy. Uh. So. <laughs> so, yes, Megatron makes his declaration that with chaos in their ranks, now is the best time to attack. And so we go back to them having a fairly civilized vote. Sorry, my uh, connection dropped there for a sec. Oh. Uh, Did I miss much? I was just saying that, yes, Megatron declares that they're with with their leader gone, there will be chaos in the Maximal ranks, and then we cut back to the Maximals counting votes in a fairly civil manner. 
And we yeah. also get a pretty funny line from Scorponok. Yeah. In which oh, he's which... been alone all night with pterosaur tarantulas. <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to read anything into that. It's just that they're weird creeps. Yeah. They are creepy, especially... Tra- I mean, I wouldn't He's been be. alone with pterosaur and tarantulas, and they did something horrible to him and promised they'd do it again if he used <laughs> any... Indirect <laughs> verbs. Yeah. <laughs> they never quite get a handle on Scorpion's character. I mean, he's clearly adult, but he's also the tech guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's a competent yes-man. Yeah. And he, he's also, you know, building devices. Well, That's somebody has to. He will be building devices. Yes. yes. Yeah, he's not. He's just kind of a dumb guy now. He, yeah, well, he's, weird, like, but it's, he's second in command, but I guess your other choices. I mean, he's a dumb guy, but at least he's a loyal dumb guy. Yeah. Right. Your your other. I basically, you're, you're, he's your best choice next to Waspinator. So you don't <laughs> yes. have a lot of good choices. No. Yeah, but no, at least Waspinator well. actually has hands. How's oh, Scorpionock building most of these stuff with his clamps? Magic. That's an excellent question. Has he built anything yet? Not yet. No, I think we'll get that in a couple episodes. Maybe that's the answer. It takes him so long to build stuff because he doesn't have hands. <laughs> uh. All right, so anyway, this, uh, this vote is... Back in the maximal base, the vote has descended into chaos. Uh, they're about to fight each other again, but luckily, uh, here comes Prime over the, what looks like an old-timey microphone. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. For some reason. Some really bad anti-aliasing on that one too. So his 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 body is gone. He's kind of just a mind, and he can communicate over the radio. Apparently. Yes. Because reasons. And also, he puts Rat Trap in charge, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, it ends up being crazy. Yeah. It doesn't end up being too bad, but yeah, it's it's fairly crazy. All right. So uh, the Predacons, uh, well. Megatron, uh, Pterosaur, and Tarantulas attack the base. Uh, we get a pretty good Dinobot Megatron fight. Oh, yeah, which starts Oh, up... yeah, the giant flying drop kick. Yeah, Dinobot yes. does a Dino Rider kick. Yeah, I'm not real sure of Megatron's strategy here. None? Because he, he didn't bring Scorponok and Waspinator to this attack. Now, the thing is, I, I forget whether he says that, you know, that the numerical odds are now in their favor, but not bringing Scorponok and Waspinator basically puts them at the numerical disadvantage. Yeah, well, wait, didn't he say he was sending them to guard the... What's it? Yeah, the the, the Standing Stones, and yet when they go there later, they're not there. Yeah, they're not there, and it doesn't look like they've done anything. Well, I mean, it, kind it, of it is Scorponok and Waspinator. Uh, yeah, good point. They were probably... <laughs> yeah. They noticed that they have shadows now. And they were just kind of freaking out and chasing them around and like experimenting with them, like cats with a with a laser pointer. Yeah, that's my theory. Well, actually, that's kind of decent strategy if he thinks they're easy pickings now. Yeah. Send two of them to go secure the probe in case they did manage to get anything together, and send someone out to take another look at it, and then go to the maximal base, either kill them or at least slow them down from heading back to the probe. Mm-hmm. 
So, so what they, going on? Uh, Rhinox is. I think this is the first. Uh, no, I guess we saw him build stuff earlier. Yeah. So yeah. he's building a device somehow to extract Primal from this alien pod. Which I ends love up looking. Trips. It it ends up looking like it's literally held together with duct tape. It is. <laughs> You've seen him using duct tape. There's a yeah. there's a roll of it. It's great. Mm. Presumably, it's like astro duct tape or something. I love Space Rat Traps giving orders as the leader. Yes. We'll issue a sortie! <laughs> then he gives Rat, it's and pretty then he pretty. gives Rhinox this just obviously ridiculously tall task of build something to get Optimus out of the probe and rematerialized. Yeah. Make yes. a device, Rhinox. Save the day, Rhinox. Uh. <laughs> Do what Dinobot, attack the Predacons. Rhinox, build a device to solve the plot. <laughs> Do some kind of science magic. It's and it totally works. Rat Trap is a great leader. What? Does yeah. it work? Actually, I'm not sure. I don't think it does. Yeah, it, it does. I don't... Let's him go I on. I don't so. know. Yeah. They, uh, they go to the... They, they, set, they shoo away the Predacons after a pretty cool fight. Now, um, I will say, in, in that fight, so, especially because there's the point where the, the shields are about to get, or I guess the ship's about to take too much damage, so Rat Trap makes a big dramatic lunge to turn the shields on. And they're after shooting! After asking Dinobot to do it. Yes, and they're shooting, I'm gonna, it, it's clearly some kind of, like, energy blasts or photons or something that move really slow. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what kind of weapon shoots energy that slowly? Well, the missiles and energy, they, they're all plot-driven, their speed. In this episode. Okay. Because, like, Pterosaur shoots three things at the shield. It takes the shield out. Rattrap has to reboot it. But in that time, Pterosaur shoots three more. But Rattrap has enough time to reactivate it and shoot Pterosaur before the shields come back and the, those other, the second volley of three shots hit. Such a weird way of trying to add drama into the fight. Yeah. Also, yeah. Cheetor's, Cheetor's gut gun was looking especially gutty in this episode. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Just want to put that out there. So anyway. <laughs> why is the control for your shields on the elevator out of your base? Might and why it? would you have to reboot mm. them when they're under fire? Yeah, it's, I don't know. Dramatic. Reasons. Stuff is whatever. You know, it's a it's it's a plot thing, but it, it is kind of an amusing callback to the pilot. Yeah. Anyway, ba- back to the duct tape device pointed <laughs> at the giant water chestnut. Yeah. So we're yeah we're going to uh, we're going to the sanding stones. The Predacons are not there immediately, but they get there. Yeah, uh, there, there should have already been two of them there. Oh, one other thing I want to note about the fight in the aftermath when they're talking about. Dinobot apologizes for not following orders and specifically calls out how he is dishonored by his failure. Yes. That was that was so Dinobot. Yes, he's a uh, we're, we're there's the little emphasis of the honorable side of his personality uh, as opposed to the jerk side which we mostly got uh, earlier in the episode. Yeah. It's I nice. also like that when they start to overload with the Energon uh, Rat Trap tells everybody, you know, we're overloading with energy, and we have to get back to beast mode. And Cheetor is just no fan of exposition. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, we're we're at the uh, we're at the Standing Stones. Uh, Predacons attack. 
Megatron sends Waspinator on a stealth mission to sneak up behind uh, Rhinox and, I guess, stop him before he can uh, activate Do whatever it is the his dingus. <laughs> he's pointing his duct-taped mess at, that he's kind of welded to his arm at the giant seed that Prime is somehow stuck in in energy form. And Waspinator just goes to shoot him in the back. And then the highlight of the episode. Yes! Rhinox sees a reflection of Waspinator sneaking up behind him in, in the shell and pulls out the chain gun of doom. Oh, it is. <laughs> also, it is for for a brief time, referred to as the chain gun of command for the, <laughs> the episode in, in which it first appeared. <laughs> but, and I'm not yes. sure they ever had a finer showing than this, in which Waspinator is totally obliterated. Although not as obliterated as I remember, but he does get his arm shot off. He loses an arm. Oh, yeah, it's great. Dicks, and, I and think he some... also loses his bee abdomen and his wings. Yeah, bits of pieces. He, loses, he totally goes to pieces, and it's delightful just how long it goes on for. Yes. yes. Lots of ammo. Like, it, like it is uh, the end of Scarface getting riddled with bullets. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So Waspy, Waspinator, is pushed into one of the standing stones, at which point he shorts out the entire thing. Yes. Yes, yeah. because apparently the rocks are part of the machine. Yeah. Good job, Waspinator. Good job. No, good job, Rhinox, shooting Waspinator into the off switch. Well, yeah, but apparently his whole device that he spent all that time making... Did nothing. Well, see, we don't know whether it worked or not, because it wasn't needed. So. (laughs) It was just completely superfluous to everything. I think he mentioned something about it not working because of the Energon stuff that links the one thing and the other thing. Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe it's the fact that you just welded two barbecue forks to a transistor radio. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just took some junk you had around your workshop and duct taped it all together so people would continue to have faith in your ability to fix things, even when... I mean, I'm Brian Ox, they're important. not going to doubt me. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, whatever it is, this causes this uh, thing to open up into a weird monster vagina. Yes. <laughs> like, they, there are, like, arms, there's there are weird monster claws in there. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's creepy. It, it, is, it, it is impressively creepy. alien looking. Yeah. Yes. And also, uh, Primal rematerializes and shoots everybody. Because, of oh, course. Also, like he disappeared. That fight. <laughs> He disappeared in gorilla mode, and now he's in robot mode. Oh. I don't know. I just wanted to point that out, because I'm a nerd. So the Predacons get beaten. Megatron has a super lame last line about how not all aliens are beneficent, after all. What does that even mean, Is it a real word? Yeah, like, like, no, not that, it's like, after all, it's like he was starting another sentence, and he just stopped after one word. Or, is he supposed to be referring to himself as an alien, which makes no sense? I mean, he is an alien to us, but not to Optimus Primal. For what we know from the greater picture of the Beast Wars story, it's possible that he's alluding to what the Decepticons did to Earth, and, you know, comparing himself to the original Megatron, but I think probably more he's just, you know, foreshadowing. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't think of a good line, but I've got to get one pithy remark out before we run away again. <laughs> I, I so want, it's the best I got. I want yep. to discount his victory as much as possible, so this is what I'm going to say. That's right. These aliens are probably dicks, and those grapes were probably sour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a lot like that. Before he so, rematerializes, we have the... Is it the first instance of... Optimus calling Rhinox big guy? Maybe. I think so. Maybe. I think Rattrap may have called him big guy before. Hmm. And lots of people call him big guy because he's a big guy. He is a big guy. This is true. But he's not the biggest guy. And he's probably the heaviest guy. Rhinox is the heaviest. Well, yeah. Rhinox yeah. is the widest. Dinobot's the tallest. Yeah. They all have their qualities. <laughs> <laughs> And then this probe just disappears. Its its plot has finished, so I'm I'm going away. Yes. I wonder when we'll find out the answer. And then we get a little I, speculation about uh, what it is, and then that's the episode. I yep. also wonder. Yeah, it just pans out to a shot of the planet, not Earth. No, not really. It's look, it's got two moons. And then, and then it just pans to the stars and. And of course, we get yep. the spook the first, the first appearance of the spooky alien music, which I really like. Yeah, would you? It is good music. It's very good, almost the X Files music. Yeah, yeah that's sort of, what I was going to say. You know, in my head, ethereal it's female voices. I think the whole mystery alien thing. A lot of that does come from the X Files. I mean, I think that we can be fairly sure that uh, most that there were some X Files fans in mainframe. I mean, they did a whole X Files episode reboot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. they even got Gillian Anderson for it. I, and I. And Scott McNeil's kind of crummy David Duchovny impression. And I, I think that while we, you know, while, like, we were talking about the aliens in G1, they were very influenced by Star Wars and the kind of sci-fi that was popular at that time. Mm-hmm. This was very influenced by what was popular at that time, which was X-Files. Yes. And and the whole sort of mystery alien abduction. I mean, that, that whole thing was a, a fairly big cultural zeitgeist at the time. Oh, yeah. For wasn't... some reason, around like around this time, 95, 96, uh, sort of around the time of the 50th anniversary of the Roswell incident, mm-hmm. we just sort of hit peak UFO. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Even I... I, I, at the time, of course, was watching X-Files. All my friends watched X-Files. I started working at a bookstore where we had copies of the Fortean Times, which is... Ooh, yeah. A, a magazine that is, it's a UK magazine documenting cryptozoology and alien sightings and the whole gamut of that kind of thing. And, and I was totally into that. So it was, it was a big thing at the time. Oh yeah. And I mean, I think other shows had the whole mystery alien thing going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably yeah. soap operas, I don't know. Probably a bunch <laughs> of soap I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that like one of the soap operas had some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's Millennium, uh, which, with, you know, Lance Henriksen, whose face is the Autobot symbol. <laughs> uh, Dark Skies was a thing. I think I think there was a revival of The Invaders from the 60s. Uh, and there was that, what was it, Invasion USA? Invasion the USA. One they aired that in Spielberg prime time, and it was super Wasn't there boring. that Gene Roddenberry alien series, too? Or? Uh, Earth Final Conflict, which they yes. still air in Canada. <laughs> wow. Got to meet yeah. those content regulations somehow. <laughs> but yeah, Can't just show Stargate all the time. 
bet of course, that almost was all a... these shows were filmed in Vancouver, where uh, this was recorded, and thus many of the Beast Wars voice actors were on them. Yes. Oh, yeah. Gary it's Chalk was definitely on X-Files. Um, Gary Chalk was a major recurring character on Stargate. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. And they show up in uh, Outer Limits every once in a while. Yeah. And actually, I think, I, and, and Stargate was kind of that whole mystery. And that also had the, you know, aliens responsible for, you know, pyramids and Stonehenge and what yeah. have you. Yeah. It was kind of that crossed with the Star Trek, we have a device that will give us a new episode plot every week thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, it it was definitely a big part of the cultural landscape at the time, that and that very much influenced the the Beast Wars meta plot. Yeah. And that op- ending dialogue exchange is basically your boilerplate X Files script. The truth is out there. Conversation. Yes, yeah. I wonder yeah. when yeah. we'll it's find Dinobot. out the answer. David Duchovny Dinobot. <laughs> David Duchovny bot. <laughs> David oh. Dinobot. Oh. <laughs> Now, now I just want to see Dinobot hosting a reboot of the Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> I mean, oh. listen, if any member of the Beast Wars cast was going to be on a softcore erotica series, it would be Dinobot. Yeah, it'd be Dirk Dinobot. It would, and his rigid grill structure. <laughs> oh, we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, I, I got a question because well, it, it, Optimus said that's just Prime in this episode, mm-hmm. or, or something to that effect. What exactly does that Prime mean? Like, in the context of this episode, it, it kind of felt like it was like, oh, shit. Yeah. It, I think well, it's, well, that's been, just great. Yeah, yeah I think it, uh, it's yeah. just basic, that's just great, which can well, be used sarcastically. We know Prime exists as a title on this, because at some point, uh, Rattrap asks uh, with the, asks Dinobot who died and made you Prime. Uh, uh, it, I mean, it may be, I, and this is always complicated with these genre sci-fi fantasy things because you know they're not actually speaking English so it's a lot to assume that plays on words would actually work but you could say that maybe just the the fact that that's a title worked into the the that's just fine phrasing and became that's just prime and I mean presumably Optimus Prime has a name that means you know uh Best first or whatever. In I mean, obviously robotics. they have B movies with orphans. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, they I have some sort of popular idea. entertainment, I guess. That, the idea that, that Earth culture. I'm not sure why they have orphans though. Cybertronian culture by this point in the Transformers history. Yeah, because right? this is like hundreds of years later, so maybe a large portion, at least the the maximals, speak English now or various Earth languages. We, I. <sighs> Oh, Gosh, this is one thing that could be really up for a, a lot of debate because the the impression that comes up that I got later with all the talk about the golden disc and everything made it sound like the governing body, the maximal governing body, had basically suppressed information about Earth, oh. which would also make you think that they would suppress information about Earth culture, like movies and stuff, because a movie is going to have so much information about, you know, a movie about Earth people shot on Earth is going to have so much information about Earth. So, it's going to have information about the surface of Earth, but it's not going to have information about how to find. Well, yeah, that's true. So, and so that may be it. It may be that it was like. I don't know, like Atlantis or something, where they're they're like, oh yeah, it was lost a long time ago. 
or I don't know, Rome, oh. how it's something that existed but then went away, but a lot of people still romanticized its culture. So I have a theory that it's based around spoilers. <laughs> Yay! Well, we, we've already been talking about some of those. Okay. Well, yeah, if we, hypothetically we, it turned out they were on Earth in the distant past, <laughs> then they might want to suppress information about the location of Earth to prevent people from going back to Earth in the distant past and changing history. That is that is a fair point. But is oh my time- God! I was wrong. It was Earth all along. But is time oh, travel? You finally made a monkey out of me. <laughs> is time travel a normal thing for them? They use yeah, transport to get from one place to another, like in an instant, but not backwards in time. No. Yeah, the and I don't think you're not supposed to do that. And again, I haven't watched this for many years, but as I recall. Megatron wasn't intending to end up in the past. He was intending to end up on Earth. Turns out that while his destination was correct spatially, it wasn't correct temporally. Right. So he was just basically by going and trying to do everything that he does at the end of season two, he was doing the best he could with what he had, which was not according to his original plan. Right. So all of that wasn't part of the original plan. The original plan was just Earth is this... Earth has Atlantis a bunch of energy, let's go back Shangri-La. Yeah. Atlantis is this lost, miraculous place where everything is great and Energon grows on trees. Also, there are all trees. this orichalcum. Yes, yes. All this unobtainium. Yes. So, so that's right. that's my take on it. Yeah. And I think that should do us for a chain of command. It's a good early episode, sets up a lot of stuff that will turn out to be important later, and uh, we get some good character moments. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mesh together well, but the character moments are enough to support it. Yeah. I mean, the, the alien plot is very bare bones, and they probably haven't figured out a lot of exactly what the deal with these aliens is. Yeah, because we never and, see them, they're never new. And to be honest, I'm not sure they'd figured out what the deal with the aliens was by the end of the series. <laughs> You know, some, I mean, yeah, there, there is, there, there was always a certain amount of seat of their pantsness with the writing on Beast Wars. I mean, even I remember them talking about how they didn't really have any solid knowledge of G1 until they were in the middle of scripting a few episodes in. So stuff like that, it, it, and you know, the series comes together surprisingly well despite all that. Uh, I vaguely remember them talking in interviews about not wanting to come up with too much about the Vox stuff because it should be weird and mysterious. Yeah, that's sort of that was sort of the thing at the time. Though it's it's all one of those things that just reminds me as as a person working on a a large fictional work, i.e., a novel, how glad I am that I have the ability to go back and retcon stuff because no one's seen it yet. As opposed to working on something like a webcomic or a TV series where you get ten episodes into writing it and the first couple have already aired and you can't go back and fix any of that. (laughs) I would hate that so much. Be glad you're not working like Charles Dickens. Yeah, yeah, there's that. Then again, he got paid by the word. It's true. That would be nice. Okay, I take that back. Yeah. 
Be glad you're not being published <laughs> in the same manner as Charles yes. Dickens. But yeah, it would be kind of nice to have a bunch of Americans waiting by the harbor, <laughs> seeing how, seeing whether Little Nell lived or died. <laughs> seeing whether Little Rat Trap lived or died. I mean, that's probably not going to happen with the internet now, but uh... no, it's it is. I mean, it was very interesting how Beast Wars kind of changed how the fans... It was at the beginning of fans interacting with things via the internet. For good and for ill. Yeah. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) There there was one Uh... thing, which... Even though I've mentioned it before, I will not repeat it. That that became like the the stand-in for spoilers. Like whenever someone was surprised about something, someone would say spoilers. This happened because someone on Alt Toys Transformers posted it as the subject of a post <laughs> the day before it aired because they got it on a satellite the day before it aired. Oh God! So <laughs> so anyway. All right, you can uh, uh, now you can follow us on Twitter at, at @stasispod. Uh you can follow us on Tumblr at is it stasispod.tumblr.com. Yes. And uh now we'd also like to put out a call for you to email us at uh what is the address? Uh stasispodcast@gmail.com. Stasispodcast all lowercase no punctuation at @gmail.com. Yeah, everything is stasispod except for the email account. Ask us questions, write us uh, interesting things about your Beast Wars experiences. Uh, you know, just drop us a line and we'll, we may answer your letter on air. And yep. there will we'll be, be links to all that on the accompanying post on iaconunderground.net. Yes. Mm. So, uh, signing off, I'm Rob. I'm Alex. I'm Jen. I'm David. Okay. Good episode. Hey! Indeed. Please join us next time for Power Surge. Donna. Donna, Donna. Power block? Yeah. Actually, I realized that was... on the power block. I realized that was going into the 90s Sailor Moon opening, so I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you be sorry for that? Unfortunately, we're not winning love here by moonlight or daylight. Alas. But I don't think we've run from a real fight yet. That's something. Uh...